0: Welcome to my origin story episode. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. It's going to be very raw and I'm going to share my journey with you, just my life's journey and what has brought me to where I am today doing what I am today. I feel like there's so many different sub-stories in my life's journey that bring me to where I am like quite a few different things where I went from major, major struggle to absolutely transforming and creating the outcomes I dreamed about. I would have so badly wanted and honestly didn't think was possible for me have happened. So, there's going to be maybe A bunch of what might seem like random details, or might seem like this doesn't relate to money or this doesn't relate to sexuality, but it all really relates because it's all been about my relationship with myself and being able to be my greatest self, my, my light, my beauty, my soul, my spirit, and not live from my absolute dysfunctional, egoic version of myself and my beliefs. So without further ado, let's jump in. So I grew up I, um, on a farm. I My parents had property. They still have property. They live on it. Um, and I grew up on a farm, a dairy cropping and beef, not really much cropping, mostly dairy farm. And for the most part, I absolutely loved it in South Australia. So in Australia, in South Australia, kind of in the, its not really in the middle of nowhere, but Two hours from the capital city, about half an hour out of town. I really enjoyed playing. We used to just build things, create things, run around screaming and laughing. And it was pretty awesome. And I remember going to the city to visit my cousin and thinking, oh my God, the city is so boring. It'd be so shit to live in the city, (laughs) which is probably exactly the opposite of what city people think. Like, wow, it'd be so boring to be in the country. But when I was a kid, I thought the city seemed terrible and the country was the place to be this was probably until I started having to work on the farm and I didn't have any choice about it, which probably actually wasn't as bad when I was younger and I wasn't wanting to spend time with friends and, you know, didn't have a sense of other things that I wanted to be doing or other things I was missing out on maybe more so. So as time went on, I started to not really enjoy it. And you know, worked on weekends, I guess, while I was in primary school and a bit in the holidays. But once I got to high school, I went to boarding school and every holidays I had to come back and work on the farm. And I hated that. You know, I was at this new school in Adelaide and I was making friends, making connections with people and They all got to bond and do things outside of school in the holidays and I had to be back home working on the farm, which I really resented um, and, you know, just made me feel so trapped and like I wanted to break free from being there. Uh, When I was at boarding school, I went to boarding school because my local school was pretty average, especially once you got into high school. Maybe a a quarter or a third of people actually made it to final year of school. And there just wasn't really that much available. Um, You know, it was a country town. So, for example, if I did all the subjects I did in my final year of school at this boarding school, if I did them at my original school, I would have had to have done four out of five of them over the air, where I would have had an hour phone call of a teacher somewhere else teaching me the subject and then just having to work the rest of it out. And this is specialist math, math studies, physics, and chemistry. So it's, it was definitely a good thing that I went to a boarding school. I'm very grateful for it, but it was really tough. You know, my partner has just been in Melbourne during the lockdowns that they've had. And I remember him <laughs> him complaining to me about them and telling me what they were like. And I just The first thing that just popped to my head was that was nothing on boarding school. That was nothing on how restricted we were. Not able to leave, not able to just go for a walk unless it fit into all these certain criteria and you had the right number of people. So it was very tough, I guess, character building. And I was super depressed when I was at boarding school. I was getting depressed before I went to boarding school, actually. I think, you know, just maybe my hormones changing and my natural inclination to be more depressed. But I was so depressed when I got to boarding school. I remember thinking, like, there's nowhere in the world I want to be right now. I don't want to be anywhere. I hate this. I hate being alive. I just hate this whole thing. And I started to develop you know, major body image issues. I'd always done gymnastics and just been so effortlessly fit and lean. And so starting to go through puberty and putting like a bit of fat on my body and our culture combined with our culture's beauty standards and images, I just totally freaked out about it. I would try to starve myself. It wouldn't work. I would end up binging on Country cheese crackers, because that's all there literally was to eat at the boarding house outside of mealtime if the kitchen was still open. Um, and then I would be so freaked out by having eaten so much that I would throw it up and, you know, just this whole really depressive cycle. And I mentioned that in my origin story because there's, there's a lot of times and for just for a lot of my life that I've been so terribly depressed and life has just felt so hard and like something I don't want to engage in because I think that's a really big part of my story. And that's a really big part of finding passion, finding light, finding goodness within myself, finding things I ha- I do want to do, ways I do want to contribute to life. How I do want to live has been a really big thing for me on my journey. So, I um, went through school wasn't academically, was pretty easy. I had a pretty bad attitude for part of it. Managed to pull my head in. In final year, I was obviously, math and science was what I was really good at, was really easy to me. And so, it just kind of made sense for me to go on to study engineering. I didn't want to be a scientist. I didn't want to be a mathematician. I found out about this thing called engineering. It sounded kind of interesting. <laughs> And I studied civil and environmental engineering. I was never interested in civil at all. I only did it for the environmental because where I had grown up on the farm, there was a just very serious long drought when I was growing up and the lake just completely disappeared where we were. There wasn't enough water. New farmers were going out of business. There was the whole acid sulfate soil issue starting to come up because they were being exposed with the water being gone and the whole impact on the ecosystem and the environment. So I was very aware of that and very passionate about wanting to do something to help that. So I studied civil and environmental engineering and that was you know, not particularly eventful. I got through my studies. I did an exchange to Sweden um, for six months, which I absolutely loved. So, I went and lived in Stockholm and traveled around Europe. That was my first time going overseas on my own. It was terrifying. I didn't know anybody, but I made a really great group of friends and we did lots of trips and then I, st- I traveled for a bit with them afterwards and then a bit for- on my own in Europe, which I got so much out of. <laughs> um, yeah, I got so much out of that. And then I continued to travel for the rest of my time at uni, going to uh, Vietnam and then South America. When I finished uni before I started full-time work, I did this great trip to South America. I traveled with a friend for a bit and then I traveled on my own for a bit as well. So, I absolutely loved traveling. I went out of uni on two into a full-time job in mining, which had never been my plan at all. I... Obviously, as I said, I was really wanting to do environmental work. I just hadn't even considered i I barely even had an awareness of mining, but it just so happened that I did work experience with, and my supervisor used to work in the environmental department at BHP at this um, mine site and it suggested that I look for more vacation work there because I also had to do a certain amount of work experience in order to graduate my degree and so i applied for this vacation work there between my you know my second to last year ending before going into final year and got it and there was 50 of us vacation students up there for the 3 months over summer and wow that was <laughs> that was an experience it was really fun so we were 6 hours away from adelaide and we just yeah stayed up there the whole time and worked it was really eye opening for me i guess of what actually goes on on a mine site it also had a process plant and i wasn't working in the mine or on the process plant i was working in the non process infrastructure department and i ended up at the end everyone that was finishing the next year was very encouraged i guess that you apply for the for a graduate role for a full-time role there and so i did that and i got it and so i got that right at the beginning of my final year of uni and i wasn't planning to actually go ahead with it. I, was, I just signed it kind of for a security net. And then I wanted to keep looking for more environmental jobs. And I was thinking, I'll just break the contract, but I'll just, I'll just sign it for backup. And it was very exciting when it came because it was a six-figure total package. And I was just blown away at the idea of earning that much during my final year of uni, there was a really big downturn. It was when the impacts, I guess, of the GFC started to hit and companies were downsizing. Companies were firing. Uh, they were not taking on new graduates like they usually would. I had friends that had their contracts cut just before they were going to start working that they had signed. And so I, I kept applying for jobs, but I didn't get anything else. I actually did get a job in New Zealand. I got flown over to New Zealand, but there was a couple of reasons why that wasn't suitable, although that would have been my ideal job at the time. So I did end up going ahead with this job at BHP and and working remote, moving up to this town six hours away from Adelaide, and they had also cut, they decided not to hire any more people from the general pool when they were meant to be hiring another 25 pe- uh, new graduates, and they didn't, so we're really lucky to keep our jobs. One of the really <laughs> not so nice things about starting that job, though, was that we all went up there, so the, all of us that had got the jobs from the vacation work. And our, on our first day of work, literally, they had gone through and done it was either the first or second round of cuts. I think it was the second round of cuts because they were going into cost-cutting mode, as I was saying, all the companies were. And so, we we walked in to start work and that day, I can't remember how many people, but some number of hundreds or hundreds of people lost their jobs. So, it was kind of a uh, very interesting environment to walk into. The other thing, oh, there's so many parts of my story. So, the other thing I had just haven't mentioned at all that happened around this time that's key to this time was that I had um, bladder issues growing up. When I say bladder issues, growing up, it was just, or it was mostly just bedwetting. So, I wet the bed, I think until I was 10 or 11 10 or 11 something like that i f- i felt so much shame around it i felt like it was this dirty little secret i literally couldn't tell anyone like no one would want to be friends with me if they knew that about me it was such a deep source of shame and when i was in sweden oh so then very at various times like maybe i had a bit of incontinence happen but it wasn't really an issue. Uh, but I always had like an overactive bladder. I had to go pee really frequently, go to the toilet really frequently. I'd been to a specialist about this. That's how they diagnose as an overactive bladder. And then when I was in Sweden, it actually just totally flared up and came back almost differently as well. So, I, I wet the bed sometimes. I also had incontinence when I was out with friends sometimes, when I drink alcohol, like all this stuff I hadn't had before. And that was pretty scary for me and, you know, that intense feeling of shame, there's something wrong with me. So when I had got back to – and when I was growing up, my mom had always sent me to just every type of person to try to help me. I'd been to multiple homeopaths. I had been to uh, I, uh, just all sorts of alternative practitioners. I'm just not even remembering them all because then there's also another whole set I went to myself. Um, and so when I got back from Sweden, I just, I went to the, I went to the doctor to go to the specialist again and see what they could do. And it wasn't always the case that I would have these bladder issues. I could sometimes not have them, right? So I went to this specialist, turned out to be the specialist I saw as a kid. And he just said to me, you should only You should never be busting to go to the toilet and you should only go once or twice a day. This is this old white man and that's the way it should be. And it's a problem that it's not. And I tried to ask him, well, what about when this doesn't happen and I have whole days and weeks where I'm not affected by this at all? Like surely this is not just a permanent thing. And he just basically said to me, no, you have an overactive bladder. The connection between your spinal cord and your bladder, there's something damaged with it so that it's involuntary when it should be purely voluntary. And you are going to have to be on medication for the rest of your life. Otherwise you'll get kidney damage. And we don't actually have a medication that works for it. We have about 10 medications and we don't know what dose works either. So basically you just start with the cheapest one. We start playing with the dose, see if we can get it right. If it doesn't work, then we move on to the next one. And I was like, what the fuck? Uh, okay. I felt desperate to try something. So I tried this, the first medication, the cheapest one. And varying the dose. And I just, it had such bad side effects and it just didn't make sense to me and it didn't work. So I reached this point again. And so my whole life in regards to this issue had been people telling me they could help me, no one being able to help me, seeing every type of person to help me, no one helped me. And so I reached this point where, and I I think I started to, I tried to see, yeah, again, like a kinesiologist and Ross Emmett practitioner, Bowen therapy, everything. And no one could help me. All these people that also like about 50% of them would say, I can definitely help you with this. It never helped. So I was also in this mindset of nothing seems to help. No one seems to be able to help me with this. So I reached this point where I just thought to myself, okay, literally no one can help me with this. I have to figure this out. I'm the only one left. And obviously it's just got to be me. So in just before I went up to start that full-time job, in the couple days before, I was with my family somewhere where there's a secondhand bookshop. And I went into that secondhand bookshop and I happened to see these two books about healing yourself, healing your own body. And so I bought them, and I read that first one not long after starting work, and it was just like I guess this entry level book into how your thoughts and feelings affect the rest of your body, uh, just like what I would call pretty basic stuff now. But all just all this this information around mind body connection emotions thoughts even the food you're eating I I actually don't remember much more than that I do remember I had a chapter on raw food but it was so eye opening to me and so then that led me to pursue what they talked one of the things they talked about in the book was voice dialogue and I thought okay well that sounds like it would be a good thing for me to try for my bladder stuff and I found this healing energy, healing center in Adelaide. And so I booked, I guess when I was coming down to Adelaide, I think I even made maybe a special trip down for it before, but I booked to go and see this practitioner. And then we ended up doing inner child healing work. And so this just started to open me up to all this kind of healing work. That's not just alternative therapies of a practitioner doing something for you or giving you something to take, which I don't have anything against. I still see those types of people, but really doing the inner work and what the inner work is and all of that kind of thing, that was life-changing for me. That was a really big turning point. So That happened early on while I was working full-time. And as soon as I started working full-time in this job, I... hit me like a ton of bricks, this model that if I followed, I would have to work all the time (laughs) until I retired. And I could have four weeks off a year. Although in that job, because it was remote, I got five weeks. But if I stayed in just the conventional system, four weeks off a year, I'd just come back from seven weeks in South America. And I thought, I just can't do things like that. It felt like to me, I can't do things like that ever again if I just work full time forever, that sounds, I just couldn't believe it It sounded terrifying to me that that's, that's what life would be like. And that's, you know, going through a really academic school for my high school and then uni, that just seemed like the only way is you just get a professional job and then that's your life. So I was pretty terrified by that. And I also knew that where I was wasn't where I wanted to be working. So I was gave myself a bit of a timeline. Well, not really a timeline. I said, as long as I can stick this out, I'm going to stick it out so I can get some really good experience. And I did get some really good experience and I did have some really great opportunities. I ended up working mostly in projects because places like BHP don't do their own design work. Um, so I wasn't doing design engineering, which I'm really grateful for because I think I would hate it. And so I worked in project management most of my time there. And I really enjoyed it. And I was really lucky on two of my rotations that the sen- two like senior supervisors were away for a significant period of time, both for different reasons. And I got given their jobs while they were away. So, I stepped up into managing these really huge, multi-million dollar, multi-disciplinary projects. Well, one of them was Multi million dollars or over a million dollars, um, amazing projects, and I was in charge of them completely. And that was that was my best experience working there. And I, despite not enjoying the context, I enjoyed doing that so much. I got I just got so much personal and professional development out of that. So the other thing that happened while I was I was working was that, as I said, I was starting to get into all this personal development, spiritual development type world stuff. I went back to Adelaide and did this healing the past weekend they had, which I guess is kind of like an extended inner child thing, uh, healing thing. And that was really good. But I still, I just had so much heaviness. You know, I had always had issues with fatigue, I guess, you know, the whole depression thing, always had this depression and heaviness and just like, ugh, deadness feeling. So the woman suggested that I go on their retreat to Uluru that they run, which is an energetic healer's retreat. So it's actually also a training to be an energetic healer, but you also could just go for your own healing because you've got to work on all your own stuff and and have all the processes done to you and then also learn to do them with other people. So I did that. And that again, was just life-changing. That was just amazing. I think what I learned, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it with the idea at all of being a practitioner, but that really gave me a lot in learning how to work with people and do inner child work, which I do still do in my work because I think it's so powerful and forgiveness work. And it was such an awakening for me actually of awakening into this space of feeling pure love and of knowing and feeling and experiencing my goodness because I'd always had this sense of being bad and you know just not being connected to that feeling and and my light and my passion and my joy and and just this sense of just being in pure love and just you know crying at the bliss and joy of being in a state of pure love It was very transformative to me. And another thing that came out of that retreat was an awareness around sexual trauma that may have contributed to the sexual issues that I was experiencing. So that's another thing I haven't really mentioned yet. (laughs) But I had, so I had the bladder issues and then I also experienced this sexual shutdown and numbness and just not being inside my body. You can listen to my episode that's on my sexual healing and awakening journey. That's a couple of episodes on from this. If you want to hear more about that, I won't go into the whole thing now because we would be here forever, but it's just an important context. So at that retreat, I realized actually, okay, there's a whole lot more here around that. From there, I... Wasn't, I just didn't find that those people were able to support me further with that. It got me, it gave me so much and got me to this place of awareness, but not really how to heal the sexual trauma that was now coming up for me. And over, I don't know, maybe the next six months, I had my relationship I was in had a really bad breakup that was pretty traumatic to me and my s- sexual Uh, my sexuality just been kind of shutting down more through that relationship anyway. So by the time it ended, I was just feeling so broken and fucked up and in this feeling of brokenness. And I just started Googling again, but Googling more around sexual trauma. And I managed to find this woman who is a Tantra teacher, although she wasn't saying that at the time that just explained, you know, how your body can hold trauma. It's just the next level of learning and understanding of the path, I guess I'd already been on and how that can cause disconnection, numbness, all of that type of thing. So then that really set me off on the next wave of my healing journey. And all the while, oh, actually, I kind of got to backtrack again, just a little bit. So after doing um, all of the work on myself and the retreat. I just, I just took on this attitude of, I'm going to do things I wouldn't usually do. Like, what crazy things can I do that I was so just out of what my typical personality would do? And so we had a very active local buy swap cell group, and someone had posted they wanted someone to make an iPhone birthday cake, and so I made this iPhone birthday cake. I'd never made an iPhone birthday cake, but I could cook. And that was, um, that was just to me like this crazy thing. And someone wanted a photographer for their kids' party and I had a DSLR and pretty, pretty all right at photography. And so I just did that and I just started to do all of these things I wouldn't usually do. The other thing that had happened from reading that initial book was that I started to get really into raw food and I would make raw food and make up recipes and I would be reading recipes at work and just having, so much fun with it. And so I just, we had a local market stall on once a month. That was pretty big like for the town. And so I decided to start a raw food market stall. I thought, why not? It was one of those things. Why not? This is a crazy thing. To me at the time, it felt like this crazy thing I would never do. I didn't think about doing it for money at all. I just wanted to do something that seemed totally freaking crazy and scary. So I started this raw food market stall. And I made all of my raw food things. I made raw granola in my uh, dehydrator and raw uh, muesli bars and kale chips and then obviously all all the slices and cakes and I made smoothies. And it was, you know, when you do things for the first time that are just so out of your personality or your comfort zone, it's such an odd feeling. And luckily I had a friend and my partner who had been my partner at the time, um, both came with me to the stall and sat with me for a lot of it. And yeah, it was really fun. It was my first experience of really putting myself out there. So one of the next life changing things that happened from that was that a woman who was there, who had a stall, who I knew because, she is the wife of an old supervisor I had, came up to me and she said, oh, do you want to, you know, this is great that you're doing this. Do you want to come around to my place for a coffee afterwards? And she used to also be an environmental engineer on site. And when she'd had children, started an organic baby business Mostly online, but did these in person stalls as well. And she basically sat me down and she said, You know what? I can tell from the price of these, you're probably not making much money on them. You should be thinking about this as a business. You could really make a business out of this. And I hadn't even thought of business. The idea of business wasn't even on my radar. And she put me onto all these resources of people to follow online to learn from one of them actually being Marie Folio and then a couple of other people to help with product based businesses and i was just like a kid in a candy store discovering this discovering this idea of business and of online business and i was learn i was learning all from female entrepreneurs and people that are very heart centered and you know make money from your passion and it also it was this moment where it really occurred to me for the first time in my life I could do something I'm passionate about and I would probably get a whole lot further in life if I did something that I was passionate about rather than just this thing that made sense to do. And so that really sent me on my journey of learning about business and online business and marketing. And so that would have been eight and a half, Years ago, something like that, or maybe eight years ago now. So, so a while ago, and I would spend all of my free time learning about business, learning about blogging. I built my own WordPress website. Love raw life <laughs> where I have my, I'd put my, some of my raw food recipes up and I started to blog. And I had an Instagram and I would do pictures of all my raw food that I thought was really great. And I did sell some of my food outside of the market stalls as well. I had a woman that would regularly buy the granola. So I think she was on the, oh, what's one of those fitness, Michelle Bridges diet things. Anyway, it was a lot of fun and, it, and then it really made me realize I want to pursue something I'm passionate about. Previous to this though, Part of my problem in life was not feeling passionate about anything because I felt so dead and so depressed and not connected to any passion. And this was the first time finally I was feeling that, you know, I'd been doing the inner work that I guess was making way for that. And I just knew that it was what I wanted to pursue. And so after about two years of work, just under working. In this job, I decided to leave. I hit this point where I was so depressed. So depressed from my own inner shit, I guess, but also the job. I wasn't I couldn't connect with people in the town. I I'd stopped drinking by that point. I used to destructively drink in my late teens and early twenties and binge drink and drink to escape and deal with my. Self-loathing and social issues, and so I stopped all of that just through this process. It had naturally happened, and did so many things just to just to heal and and love myself it was a very big start to my self love journey as well. But it just really weighed me down being there, and I had so much more work to do on myself, I guess, and I, I felt so alone. Uh, and had this terrible breakup. And I've just reached this point literally where this image came to me in my head that I was, I had been treading water in the middle of the oceans, like treading water in the middle of the ocean and then just wearing out and just getting tired and not being able to keep paddling my arms and just starting to sink starting to sink in this ocean and seeing the light above me getting dimmer and dimmer. And it sounds really dramatic, but that's actually the image that came into my mind. And I felt like my soul is dying. I feel like my soul is dying. And if I don't do something about it now, it's not going to end well. And so I handed my resignation straight away as soon as that happened. And I decided I was just going to go and take some time. I had for my first year of work, just not thought about money at all and just spent, 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 you know, whatever was in my bank account. And then for my, and then had a real wake up call for that around the end of my first year. And then at the start of my second year, put into place all these structures so that I saved a lot of money by the time I quit. And I, so I didn't worry about having anything figured out. I'd actually had a second website built by someone, The Light Fairy, where I blogged and was knew that I didn't want to keep doing a product-based business like making raw food because it was so much work. And making it wasn't really what I felt passionate about. What I felt passionate about was teaching people about it and teaching people about health and bettering themselves. And so I didn't really have a strong plan for when I left, but I knew I needed to leave and I decided to go first stop to Byron Bay. My sister was living there, who I got along really well with another friend of mine from uni. And I just knew that's where, that's where the healing resources were for me and my next steps where I really wanted to focus on my sexual healing. So I moved to Byron Bay, packed up all my stuff, got rid of a bunch of things, put everything in my. Little Volkswagen Golf, and I drove for a couple of days across to Byron and then, you know, started to try to find a place to live and set things up there and start exploring. I I think I also just didn't feel really sure of what I wanted to be doing. So I wanted time and space to explore that. What is my passion? How do I really want to be expressing that? Where is that going to lead me? And I just felt as long as I'm following my truth, The rest will fall into place and I don't need to try to work it all out right now. So I wasn't really worried about what I was going to do financially. I had a really big runway and I thought, yep, I'm just going to give myself that time and space, which in a way was good. In a way, I probably could have done that better. My original plan actually with that money I'd been saving was to go traveling for six months plus after quitting my job. But then it so happened, I guess, through all the healing stuff that, no, I want to go to Byron and I want to be surrounded by like-minded people and work on this sexual healing. So, I went there and I Pretty much dove straight into that. More details about this are in my sexual healing and awakening journey. I feel like I could really go into it right now, but I want to keep moving. Um, And so I started, I also started to get into an entrepreneurial community that's all, you know, very spiritual and heart centered and learning how to make a business out of your gifts. And so I did start coaching. Uh, I started more like life coaching. And the more I went through the sexuality stuff, I started to do sexuality, uh, coaching and body work through being in that community, getting on this path of trying to build that as a business and taking all of these courses and taking all of these trainings, all of these trainings that I was spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on. And my money was just going pretty fast, but I wasn't thinking about it. I didn't, I wasn't trying to, um, monitor it at all. I just thought everything's going to work out. I just had taken on this spiritual perspective. Everything's just going to work out. Everything's just going to work out. Until I had ran out of all of my savings and was not by any means making a full-time income yet that would support me. I just had no idea how to, although I had spent By now, a couple of years learning about business and having business help, I still just didn't really get how you get clients and just building relationships, all of that type of thing. So I hit this real rock bottom point and I'll I'll do a podcast episode on my money story another time and go more deeply into that. But it wasn't really just the money. It was a collision of you know, still just having these terrible issues with my self-worth, starting to have really bad body images, image issues again, almost like worse than ever before. Cause I had got out of that for a bit and it was just like going back into it. You know, after all that initial healing work, I felt light. I felt amazing. I felt inspired about life. And this was like just going into all of my stuff and going so deep and feeling like such a failure and I hadn't made this business a success in like a couple of months and that means I'm thinking wrong, I'm doing my energy's wrong or whatever that was meant to mean. You know, I was following this really toxic thought, I guess, around manifesting and law of attraction and with that, you know, having identity issues, around, you know, not having something that made me successful anymore, like being an engineer did. So it was a real it was a real low point again. And that and I felt like such a huge failure that I decided to quit trying to do any coaching. Because also then once I had actually run out of money and, and needed to earn money, it just started to make me feel like I had such a bad relationship with it because I was like in this space of needing the money and just completely changes your whole energy with it. So I kind of, I don't know if I'd call it a breakdown, but I kind of had a, a really hit a wall and was somehow feeling worse about myself than I ever had, even though I'd been through all of this healing stuff and I didn't know what to do. And my health was so bad. Bad. And I was finding it hard to get out of bed at the morning. And I was crying every day and my energy levels were just shot. So anyway, I started to, um, actually find some really good naturopaths that do functional nutrition, naturopathy and look at all your bloods and start getting that sorted. And actually started to get enough strength and energy back that I just realized I had to get out of Byron, that I was just. Stuck there, and there wasn't anything moving or happening for me there. And I needed to get to a city where there was stuff happening and moving. And so I decided, or I, you know, I was thinking I could go up to Brisbane, but a part of me really wanted to go to Melbourne. And we had been sent away on professional development when I worked at BHP at Melbourne for a week a year. And I loved it so much. And I just felt inspired to go there. Anyone I knew from Adelaide was basically in Melbourne. So I decided to go. And I moved to Melbourne, and at the time i had a i didn't know what I was going to do. I had a bit of an idea of trying to get into management consulting because that seemed like a job I would really enjoy. um I also thought about studying again, and I was kind of pursuing these things and I was talking to a recruiter who actually happened to offer me a job as a recruiter, which I didn't want and then it was and I started building a new website, just I think as a blog. And there was just something within me that was like, no, Alex, no, like, don't go back to that. Or don't, you know, don't be trying to go back into a corporate career. That's not what you want. Like, it was almost just like this little part of me that was like, no, don't give up. This is your path. <laughs> and, uh, and so I decided not to go for corporate and to, get other work that would support me in having my own business. It wasn't really about having my own business, but you know my passion of helping people and coaching and all of that kind of thing. Um, so I continued with that. I had by this point built my money management system, the Abundance Plan and Tracker for myself through my whole financial crisis. Again, I'll do another episode that goes more in depth into that but I got really amazing results, like really amazing results with it for myself. And then sort of my sister and I had friends wanting to use it or her friends wanted to use it. So eventually I decided, okay, well, here's something that has really organically come up for me to share with the world that I'm not making to try to make money. I'm not, you know, surrounded by all these people that are just trying to make money. Um It's just very authentic and organic So I eventually set that up as a standalone product that people could buy this money management system. And I I was so afraid of putting myself out there again. I felt so burned from my last experience of really going for it, not instantly becoming successful, not knowing how to cope with that. I put it out there. I did a really soft launch. I launched I, in a Facebook group I was in. I just asked what people thought of the name because I didn't know if I should change the name if I was making it as an actual product. And then I told everyone when it was for sale and offered them a discount in this group. This was the, my only, my first and only time ever posting in that group to that up to that point. And I sold $1,200 worth in the first week. And I couldn't believe it. I was so surprised. And amazed and thought, wow, this is great. Okay, I'll keep going with this. And I also still would end up basically coaching people about money by this point because of my journey I'd been through diving into the mindset stuff around it, having this system I used. And so I thought, well, maybe this is a really great way for me to help people. It took me almost a year to actually make next meaningful steps with it. So I thought, you know, I had all that momentum. I wanted to capitalize off it and keep going, but I just was so paralyzed. Literally, I would do all this background work, I don't know, website stuff. I don't even know. I just would do all this stuff that wasn't what you need to do to get sales. And I would hide out in those activities. And that, But I also did do a whole bunch of like practice money coaching with people um, just to try out how I would do it and my methodology and stuff. But I was basically getting a big fat lot of nowhere and wanting the business to be entirely online and hiding behind this whole online thing. And then I, yeah, I was getting nowhere with it and feeling just frustrated and depressed because I was doing this part time work at the same time. And then I went to go and pick up my drink bottle somewhere where I'd left it at this business. And the girl who ran the business was there and and gave it to me. And we happened to get chatting and I was telling her how I was doing this money work and just, I guess, roughly how it was going. And she said to me, you should run an in-person workshop. And the thought of that was kind of terrifying, but I was like, okay, uh, how do you usually do that? And she was telling me how she had done these half day ones before with someone else and how they would usually do it. And she said, if you run a workshop, I'll come to it. I thought, right, I've got to run an in-person workshop. And I... Got a venue. I got everything set up. It was going to be in four weeks so that it was happening now. And the fact that I had set that up and I had this physical space booked that I had to pay for and I didn't want to have only one or two people sign up. It made me actually market it. It made me actually do something to make it happen. And that was a turning point for me. So I did this workshop. I managed to have it pretty much full. It was awesome, it was terrifying, but I did this workshop, and then I did another one and another one, and then I met this woman who 's now my a good friend of mine because uh, she was also doing this money workshop and then we ran a joint course together, a five week course in person and that was what really got things moving for me in my business and helping people with money and from there, I did an online course. I had my own online course, the Wealthworthy Journey, that I ran for a couple of years, which was great and did really well and got people really fantastic results. I discontinued it just because I can see ways that I could format and make the thing a lot better and actually chunk it down a bit. I think there was just kind of a bit too much in it, to be honest. But I had um, the Wealthworthy Journey, and then I, I ran some other in-person classes. For another organization. And then I had had for ages this idea I wanted to run a mastermind. And I finally felt at the point of, you know, having enough people in my audience and enough going on that I could run a mastermind. So I ran this six month mastermind that I absolutely loved. Uh, That was by private invitation. And then I ran a retreat and just, it just all, I guess, kept growing and snowballing. And I, but I've always had a really difficult relationship with my business. That's where my biggest um, beliefs and core wounds get triggered. It's funny. I, th- I feel like for different people, it happens in different areas of life more. And like for me, with relationships, my first couple of relationships, serious relationships, were extremely dysfunctional, like really dysfunctional. But I was able to recognize it and work on it and then just not have issues with relationships again. My business has been a little bit different to that. I have had a fluctuating pattern of things going really well, getting a lot of momentum. And then I will unconsciously really sabotage myself and set myself back. So it's been a really big thing for me to a, a big personal growth tool to really see what my stuff is when it's being triggered. Like it gets, it can get triggered so strongly in that respect and then working with that and becoming more and more into my true self through doing that and through that process. Incredible personal development. So uh, that brings me almost up to where we are now. Oh, I know I wanted to round out the bladder stuff. So I, the reason I mentioned that I, all this, well, that led, that first got me onto that path of healing, but also through doing all that emotional healing and the work on myself, I did heal those bladder issues. So I never, I didn't think that was even possible. These are the things I want to emphasize about the process. I didn't think that was possible. I didn't know how it was possible. I hadn't heard even a story of someone doing that. But I decided I have to sort this out. I have to heal this. No one else can help me with it. And I did. I did. And it. And the doctor told me I need to be on lifelong medication. And I didn't. I absolutely healed it. And there's been a range of other things like that. But that's a significant story for me, as well as the sexuality stuff, as well as actually my body weight and food and all of that kind of thing of not believing I could have an end result and feeling so unworthy and ashamed and fundamentally broken and flawed and then going for it. And I guess that greater part of me knowing it was possible and just going for it and then getting it, getting that outcome. It's been the same with money as well with my money story that I'll share in another episode. So, that brings me or that brings me to the start of 2020. I did my retreat. I thought I'd be doing more retreats. That didn't exactly happen, thanks 2020. And I left Melbourne at that time. It's just all this change and it really shook me up. And I didn't know, you know, really shook up my entire business model because at that specific time it was mostly or almost all in-person stuff. And so it was a real shake-up and I took some time from that to really work out, okay, what do I want to do with my business? Where do I want to take it? How do I want to continue it? And then started to get back into coaching and then doing doing natural success coaching and getting back into my money offerings, starting a um, membership and focusing in on doing work with women and bringing in all of these powerful elements that have been such big parts of my journey. And it's in the last couple of years that I've been bringing together my money work and sexuality work and the sexuality work really from the viewpoint of helping you tap into your true self, your inner magnificence, your joy, your life force, your passion and your power, your absolute power of being able to embody and cultivate that energy in your body. Such powerful stuff. So I've been bringing that into my my work as a whole, and, and really shaping my my work with that, with the alchemy that I've been learning through all the William White Cloud study that I've done, and you know just everything that I've done, all these different trainings and work that has brought me to who I am and made me who I am and made my work what it is, and quite a unique blend of things. That in its core is all helping you to get out of survival, get out of your ego and get into what you would truly love and live from your highest potential and self actualize. That is, that's the core of what all my work's about. And currently I do that through my membership, the Sacred Money and Power membership that I have for women, which has got a career and money focus. But using um, sexuality practices and using these practices of tapping into and living from your inner power, your truth and, and your wisdom, your intuition. And then I also do one to one coaching. That's everything that brings me to where I am. This has turned out to be a really long episode. I've left out so many things that I feel are important, but whatever. Here we are. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode. It's been a pleasure to share this with you. If there's any things you would like to know more about from what I've just shared please let me know because maybe that's what I'll make an episode on it. But my main takeaway, my main message to you is that you are never stuck in anything and that you can change anything in your goddamn fucking life. Even if everyone tells you you can't, doctors tell you you can't, and you've never heard of a story of someone that says you can, you absolutely can. That's been my biggest life learning and journey is healing and changing things that I did not believe was possible, but getting it and doing it. And so if I can do it in all these different areas, you can do it. It is absolutely possible for you. All right, I'm sending you so, so much love. If you did enjoy this episode, please subscribe or share it with a friend and I'll see you in the next episode. Ciao.